As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Welcome again to another edition of Second Chance Coaching. I hope all is well on your side of the world and the week has been good to you. The week has been a good week over here and it's definitely been good to me. As you listen to this, uh, this week is the start of Black History Month in the United States. We celebrate and uh, highlight the history and contributions of African Americans in the United States. If you want to find out more about Black History Month, um, feel free to go to this website, blackhistorymonth.gov. So that's B-L-A-C-K-H-I-S-T-O-R-Y-M-O-N-T-H dot G-O-V. As you also may know as well, I'm a part of the African American Advisory Council for the City of Hollywood here, and we'll be having our own Black History program on Thursday, February 23rd, 2023 at 6 p.m. at the Washington Park Community Center in Hollywood, Florida. So feel free to come out. There's going to be a lot of programming there, a lot of living history, and just just a lot of a lot of nice surprises and a lot of nice touches to how we do our um, Black History program. So feel free to come out. I would love to meet you and love to see you there. Um, I've also recently joined the NAACP, and they also have a number of resources and events coming up that you could check out at NAACP.org. And if you are living in Broward County, you could check out what they're doing, the same, the, some of the same things for the local chapter at NAACPFTLBroward.com. So that's NAACPFTLBroward.com. Once again, I'd like to thank all of you for the support of the podcast. Uh, please throw us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it. And continue to subscribe and spread the word to those seeking their second chance and on their reentry journeys as well. I've noticed that uh, we've gotten a big uptick in uh, listeners from the state of Tennessee. So um, thank you so much, uh, all, all our all our people in Tennessee, for listening to Second Chance Coaching. Definitely want to send you a shout out and show you a lot of love and let you know that we appreciate you and we appreciate you supporting the podcast. So please continue to be a part of our Second Chance family. We also see that we have getting some downloads from Thailand and the country of Thailand overseas. So thank you and shout out to those in Thailand for being part of the Second Chance family. I uh, wanted to take the time to talk with you today about how I see the future and reentry in this post-pandemic world. A lot of folks will say that COVID, the coronavirus, is still a part of our lives, and I and I definitely believe that it is. 
and everyone and through anyone's own personal choice, you know, you could still walk around with a mask in public places. That's almost become a commonplace at this point. And we're still in a world where COVID could still be contracted. You could still catch COVID. However, we're in a we're in a we are now in a place where there are multiple vaccines present, and there's been more than ample opportunity for people to be vaccinated um, in 2023. So we could um, have certainty that while we may not prevent ourselves from catching COVID, but certainly we've um, optimized the chances that the contraction of it is not fatal for the most part because so many people have been vaccinated. But prior to talking about what the future of reentry looks like, you know, in this new uh, post-pandemic world, I wanted to share with you the story of what life was like for me at the onset of the pandemic. Now, I know we all have our unique stories about the pandemic, especially at the beginning of it. But I wanted to share mine with you before we talk about how we look at the future of reentry in a post-pandemic time period. Prior to the onset of the pandemic, right before it, this was back in February 2020, work for me was a really hectic place. My boss had just been let go, and I had a number of bad apples on the staff I was supervising. And I certainly have shared with you guys in previous episodes that and actions above and through the organizational chain, the bad behavior of that staff was certainly encouraged more than discouraged, and in some cases was actually rewarded. And the only good thing that I could say that I had going for me at the time was I was looking forward to spring break, our annual spring break, usually is around the first week of March. And when our spring break came along, I looked at that week with such enthusiasm as as a time to have a mental break away from the work craziness. And then I had to also do other things around the house. I had to do I had to do prep things around the house, such as, you know, I had to get the coconut trees trimmed in preparation for hurricane season. Um, I was still in in, uh, mom's house, so I was doing more packing and throwing things out. Um, The air conditioner at the time needed fixing and maintenance. And then, then of course, going back to the way things were going at work, I felt like it was probably a time I was at a crossroads that I felt like I needed to test out my resume and see what career opportunities were available, not only in the state of Florida, but across the country and even around the world. And... Why was I looking around like that? Like I said, at that time, I was, you know, living in mom's house. You know, mom had already passed and was still deciding with my sister whether we should sell the house or try to have me take on the mortgage on my own. And there was just a lot going on. But here's what I did know. You know, it was March. Mom had transitioned about 11 months before then. My sister and niece had moved to North Carolina. And I was living in a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house on on my own. And with work being really like a toxic nightmare, a toxic place, the possibilities of moving or relocating was a very clear and present reality. You know, at at that time, I then received notification from our family lawyer that um, the probate went through on mom's estate, on our mother's estate, and that left the door open for my sister and I to decide what we were going to do about the house. And although, you know, for me saying, okay, let me assume the mortgage or get a mortgage, was a reality for me, so was selling the house and relocating to practically anywhere, anywhere in the world. I was interviewing anywhere was a very real possibility. And why was that? I was at the point where, you know, I had no living parents. My son was no longer living. And the remainder of what nuclear family I had left was lived in two different states. And on top of all of that, 
I really knew it was time for me to go back um, to bereavement counseling. I should have, you know, had gone back at that point. As I was struggling at work and it was really affecting other parts of my life. And as I look back on it, I was certainly depressed. And at the least, I knew that this was a crossroads in my life, you know. And there was so much going on, so I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the news. But I kept hearing about this coronavirus. You know, at first, I didn't think it was something extremely serious. I was thinking like, well, maybe it's like the swine flu or whatever, you know, something that comes and goes. It's not a big deal. And I was having wings and drinks with some friends of mine at a local sports bar, and we were watching the Big East tournament. And my alma mater, St. John's, was leading at halftime. So it was exciting to watch the game. I was even texting some of my old high school classmates who were actually at the game in New York. And then the breaking news comes over the wire that due to the coronavirus, the remainder of the Big East tournament was canceled. They canceled the Big East tournament right at halftime, canceled the rest of the tournament. And not too long after that, the NCAA announced that they were also canceling the men's and women's national basketball tournaments, otherwise known as March Madness. At that point, I said to myself, you know what? If the sporting tournaments are being canceled, which are big revenue generators, then this coronavirus is a pretty serious thing. So when spring break concluded, we went back to work, went back to the office, you know, sucked it up and went back. But we was already socially distancing and utilizing hand sanitizer. And at work, we quickly received the notification that by the end of that week, employees would have the choice to work from home or come into the office. So we... So as part of the leadership team, we were planning for that. You know, what do you need to do to work from home or whatever the case may be? Then we received notification later that day that at the very end of that day, we immediately are working from home for the remainder of the term. So take what you could get, do what it is that you could do, and and go home and await further instructions on how we would provide services to our students. Now, for those of us also, you know, I was also teaching classes as an adjunct at the time, so I also had classes that I had to teach. Um, Classes were postponed for one week while the reconfiguration as to how we would provide the course instruction was being configured. Now, this coronavirus, COVID-19, has turned the world upside down at this point. You know, I'm now working from home, pretty much in isolation with nothing but my work, my time and my thoughts. I just really, you know, it was just, it was just really a different dynamic. It went from one thing to another very, very quickly. But now, certainly, I don't mean this in any way, so carefully, I don't mean this in any way to be inconsiderate or disrespectful, as I know COVID had a devastating effect on so many people. So many people died, and life was literally turned upside down. And and even then, since then, life has really never been the same even though we're all now transitioning to and trying to go through and grow through this new normal. But I could say, for me, at that time, the ability to stay home from work and to be physically separated from a toxic work environment and having the time to think through where I was in my life at that time, especially being depressed, was practically, you know, from that from the small paradigm that I was looking it through, looking it through, it was basically heaven on earth to not be at work, to not be around certain people. It was heaven on earth. You know, during that time, in addition to working, I was also able to multitask and reach out and work with reentry organizations on so many initiatives as now the whole world practically was work. You know, at least if you're doing in the service industry, 
was working, you know, via Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Cisco WebEx. These became household words for all of us, and I know household words for us right now. And I was working with folks from all over the reentry space and finding out the way COVID was affecting their work and affecting life for people in, in jails and in prisons and how this was affecting those who are now being released or they being uh, and, and they're being released because their time is up. And even there was a huge number of people that were being released due to compassionate reasons. And then there was a federal federal inmates, you know, uh, inmates in federal custody being released from prison to now live in home confinement. So the reentry funnel was really overflowing as far as people coming home. And the way in which reentry had to be addressed was going to change, much like life had changed for so many else in, in real time with the onset of a pandemic and the onset of something that a lot of us had never, ever seen before. Now, normally we're talking 640,000 to 700,000 people on average are released from prison every year in the United States. That's from prison. That doesn't include the 9 million people who are released from jail every year in the U.S. And then during COVID, it was hard to track what these numbers look like, but these numbers really skyrocketed due to the aforementioned reasons that I outlined. Now, according to the Brookings AIE and the AI, not AIE, AEI, American Enterprise Institute. So according to Brookings AEI, um, their working group on criminal justice reform, the COVID pandemic and its effects is telling all of us in the rancher space that, and I quote, we must move away from a policy framework that focuses on punishment as a tool for controlling risk in favor of a focus on human rights, harm reduction, and the social, political, and economic reintegration of those who have been incarcerated. The Brookings AEI Working Group on Criminal Justice Reform also shared short-term, medium-term, and long-term recommendations, which would shape the future of reentry in a post-pandemic world. And so I'll share some of these recommendations with you now. The, the, the short-term recommendations they, they had, they had four of them, which were as follows. One was to really prioritize vaccination in correctional facilities to make sure that they, they don't spread amongst, amongst people who are in custody. And if there was any COVID relief funding left, um, to utilize that or redirect it with authorization to ensure safety net programs for directly impacted populations of those who have been incarcerated. I mean, the, the directly impacted populations are those who have been incarcerated and expand, and expand access to the internet and digital skills needed in this new normal. Now, in a, lot of, in a lot of correctional institutions, there is some limited access to internet and digital skills, digital um, devices. So those skills should really be highlighted so they could be part of their new normal and in transitioning when they come home. And then, of course, improve data sharing and service coordination, not only for those who are incarcerated, but then they, when they return and they start to come home. The midterm recommendations that they talk, the medium, not the midterm, the medium term recommendations would be as follows. Um, one was ending restrictions on occupational licensing um, increase and, um, you know, increasing safety net programs and, and, and really concentrate on hiring, proactive hiring for those with criminal records. And two, which I thought that's something that, you know, we've talked about uh you know, the restrictions on occupational licensing, and that's that slowly but surely have, has improved, but still st still a little slow. 
one of the biggest medium-term recommendations that they had was also to the enhance oversight and regulation of the criminal background check industry. Just like your credit, someone runs your criminal background, sometimes, sometimes the results are not always correct, or they should be sealed, or they should be expunged based upon one's adjudication. Number three, to increase funding for subsidized employment programs in American job centers. And four, spur the creation of a coordinated pre- to post-release education and work-based learning programs. That's huge because you're able to sit there and put the empowerment of education in someone's hand um, before they come home and after they come home. Now, let's look at the long-term recommendations they talked about as far as how the future of reentry in a post-pandemic world would look. Number one, they talked about a long-term recommendation would be to reorient, reorient, reorient parole and other forms of community supervision towards social and economic reintegration, which means how do we make sure that we are focusing on the reintegration of our families, making sure that we are sustainably employed or have a sustainable entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship uh, endeavor that's going on. Increase the access to services related to housing, employment, um, health services, addiction services, and social reintegration. That speaks for itself. Improve rehabilitation services in correctional facilities by adapting a, continu- a continuity of care model. So that in, while, you're, while one's in the correctional facilities, have that health and that wellness and that self-care being be paid attention from that particular point. And then expand funding for prison rehabilitation programming to meet demand. So if people are in there and they're looking to rehabilitate, we know that 75 to 8, 75% to 85% or even close to 90% of people come home. So having a prison rehabilitation program is so very important as part of that reentry process. And these recommendations are proposed changes and even some changes, some of these changes are taking place right now, which is really setting the stage for the future of reentry, which has also set the stage for so many changes in various areas of our lives in the aftermath of the pandemic. You know, the future of reentry appears, really does appear to be bright with, the oppor- with, with, with opportunity, you know, for returning citizens. And because returning citizens um, could have those opportunities as the world continues to slowly but surely looks at reentry with the perspective of optimally reward, not rewarding them, but re- optimally receiving them to, to say, okay, we hear the opportunities. Here's your second chance rather than perpetual punishment. And in optimizing and having someone have their second chance or looking at, it, looking at them having their second chance, and especially in a world that has changed so much or continues to change in a post-pandemic di- dynamic, this will continue to lower recidivism, make communities, and make communities safer, and everyone wins at the end. Once again, as always, I thank you as always, for sharing your time with me. It's always welcomed and appreciated. I enjoy spending the time with you every single week. Please continue to reach out to us, stay in contact with us, let us know how you're doing, let us know how we can help. And as always, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources, as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com, as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, 
Every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance, and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all, and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.